0: Hey everyone and welcome to Hero's Journey Physio Fitness. Our mission is to guide people in reclaiming their health and becoming self-reliant. I'm your host Dr. Cameron Hogue and joining me is my co-host Annabelle Rios.
1: All right we are going live in three two one. All right guys welcome to Hero's Journey Physio Fitness. I'm here with Cam and you know, we've been doing a few interviews the past few episodes. Today we have another one. Uh, but before we get into it, you know, guys, you need to like and subscribe. you got to feed the algorithm so it can show up to more viewers. Kim, who are we interviewing today?
0: Guys, we got a special guest. We have Dr. Jace Phillips. He is an outpatient physical therapist. He's gone through an orthoped- orthopedic residency. Uh, he sat for his board exam, which he has his OCS, his orthopedic clinical specialist specialty. Um Jace, thanks so much for being on man. And, yeah, thank uh, do, you for having do, me. Do you mind just giving the, the viewers just a little bit more about your uh educational background and all that stuff before we get into it?
2: No, absolutely. Um, so kind of post-high school started with uh, my first degree in uh exercise science, physical wellness. Um that's I think probably something that you hear repeated a lot for physical therapists is kind of geared towards physical therapy school. Um after that, I went straight to um, UTC actually for uh, my,
1: hey. my doctorate.
2: I know, right? <laughs> yeah. So I went, I went to UTC for my uh, doctorate in, in PT, um, and have kind of had some post-doctorate trainings, like you said, residency with my OCS, um, which is you know national board certification, and then I'm also a certified strength and conditioning specialist. Um, those are kind of my accolades.
1: Yeah. That's CSCS, or which yeah. one is that yeah. one?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: CSCS. Oh, wow. And uh, you were telling us
0: earlier. Also, uh, was it a level one CrossFit coach? What,
2: yeah, what's your CrossFit so, um, certification? My CrossFit certifications: um, level one and then CrossFit Kids. Um, gotcha. So the level one's a little bit more prestigious. Uh, you have to actually go and you take a test and that kind of stuff. Um, CrossFit Kids is more just like. Here's how to make this, you know, so good what, what's
1: Yeah, what's the difference between the uh, CrossFit 1 and the uh, CSCS? Like, what, okay. what are the emphasis on?
2: Yeah, yeah, Um, So, you know, CrossFit is a brand. Um, so mm-hmm. you, you go, you pay CrossFit HQ to take this course. It's run by all, it's all kind of this internal thing. Uh, and what they do is they take a lot of the ideas and it's kind of like, here's what CrossFit is all about. Here's how we do these things. So there's some things in terms of form of here's how we want to do our exercises, here's how we want to program, but it's, it's more about here's how to coach with the mentality of CrossFit, which is high intensity functional movement, like, you know, get in, get out, get your kind of your CrossFit style workout in and it's, Mm. it's how to be Mm -hmm. that coach. Um, The CSCS on the other hand is done by the NSCA, which is the National Strength and Conditioning Association. Mm -hmm. So that's an American national organization. Um, and they are more encompassing. So that's going to basically be your entryway. If you want to be a strength coach at like high level high school or college, that's going to be kind of your entry there. So included in that is going to be strength training principles like here's how to train for power. Here's how to train for strength. Here's how to train for endurance. Um, but also taking those things and in the idea of being a strength coach, here's how to apply that to a cross country runner. Here's how to apply that to a volleyball um, Dang. and then, and then they dabble in a little bit of the business stuff. Here's how to set up a gym to make it compliant with the national standards that you're going to be. Um, I remember I had a question on that. That was like the mirrors in the gym have to be this height above the floor <laughs> so that the weights don't <laughs> roll in and break it in. Right. So it's, it's more of <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so the CSCS is really, um, all about if you want to be like a strength coach, um, Mm-hmm. That's going to be your foot in the door for that.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. So it's definitely a little bit different. One's more of that brand of CrossFit. And the other yeah. one is like, you can pretty much, you know, do anything. High school, college, you'll have the the tools, even if you want to set up your own gym, all that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And for the CSCS, they're not uh, discriminant, but you do have to have a college degree to sit for the CSCS.
0: I think, you know, I actually think I had, uh, had heard that because you had to prove, um, like your degree and then. Did it matter what it was in?
2: No, no. As okay. long as you have, I think it's a four-year degree, um, okay. but don't mm-hmm. quote me on that. Um, I say as I'm being recorded, um, <laughs> but we'll, uh, ed- we'll edit that out. Yeah, yeah just a quick blur. What was that? Um, but yeah.
0: Um, okay, so you got a you definitely got a lot of background in uh, health and fitness and everything. When did you like start your journey like personally and everything?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, so, uh, hilariously up until I'd say pretty much through high school, uh, I was dominantly a runner. Um, and so I just went on a tangent about strength conditioning and CrossFit. Um, but I was, I was classic beanpole kind of thing through, um, all the way through high school. I started actually running in cross country, um, when I was in fourth grade. So I'm a lifer. Um, but, uh. Is one of those things like certainly didn't really get passionate about it until after high school. Uh, I remember in fourth grade, my mom literally yelling at me to keep me from dragging my shoes on the concrete because I was just such a tiny little stutter step. <laughs> I don't even know if you could call it a run. So I really wasn't into it at that point, but it was just kind of something to do. Um, but really, really got passionate. I think when I did start doing the kind of cross training, CrossFit weights, things like that, uh, and learned how to take it on my own. Cause I wasn't doing it for a sport. You know, I was doing it for me mm. at that point. And that's, that's kind of when I really say that I, I got into it, uh, for myself.
0: So you did cross country in high school.
2: Yep. Yeah, yeah. I did, um, cross country, track, uh, soccer, um, were my main sports, but it was mostly, uh, mostly running, um, pretty much, um, up until, like I said, getting into more of like the fitness stuff later on.
1: And I'm guessing during those times you weren't really lifting much, Even through your, your program, right? No. It's mostly Um, just running and then running.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I remember my senior year of track, uh, they sent us into the weight room, I think three times that season, which hilarious four, four weeks apart. Yeah. It was just basically like, we don't really know what we're going to do today. The other teams aren't in the weight room. So like, let's, let's just like go into the weight room. And we did like a weird smattering of like 30 minutes of weights that I had never done before. Um, so questionable on whether or not it was beneficial, but um, we don't want to get too yeah. big, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Stay aerodynamic. That's that's what it's all about.
0: Um. So, yeah, I think you're mentioning that it's when you got into college that yeah. you started to kind of make this a little bit more, uh, maybe for yourself. Yeah. Did you Did you notice any changes? Um, just with your like running and everything, when you started to incorporate more cross training, it seems like when you started doing a little bit more CrossFit and maybe some more strength movements, was there any difference that you noticed?
2: Definitely. So, um, I did a couple different things. My favorite stuff was always like the mid level things. So that's going to be your 400 meters. Um, just one lap around the track. It's a quarter mile and the 800, um, and so in terms of physically what's going on, it is a little bit different, you know, from the long, steady distance type of stuff. Um, it requires a little bit more power. It's more in the realms of uses your muscles, like strength would work would do. Um, and I remember thinking, um, just playing around with some 400s things like I hadn't been practicing or anything like that. And I was like tying my PRs, um after having done some of this strength training just because the power was there, like the output was there. And I just remember thinking like, why the heck was I not doing this? Uh, when I was actually doing this, this, you know, uh, competitively.
0: Right. No, man. I, I, I totally agree with you. Like looking back on it, uh, it's almost like the weight room was at least in my, um, and like how I grew up and everything was like a hindrance, maybe like it's Mm -hmm. something you did, like, you know, maybe in the off season, handful of times, but really you just got to focus on your sport. And for you, it's like, got to focus on running me. It was baseball, just practice skill, all this kind of stuff. And I'm looking back now, like, man, I can squat like 200 pounds more than I could in high school. Like that would have translated way better into like running and my swing and all that stuff. So it's kind of like a disappointment that I figured it out later when I wasn't playing competitively, but, uh, you know, That's what we're doing the podcast so we can tell people and you know get people back into you know into their optimal self and everything
1: absolutely so i guess what did your workout programs look like when you were in college starting to work out versus how they look
2: now okay yeah, yeah so um when i first started um i was going to the college weight room um and i was basically it was a very similar scenario i had a friend who I knew him in high school and we ended up going to the same, um, college with, and we had both done cross country soccer, that kind of thing. So it's mm-hmm. just, um, you know, the two Some of big us legs. together, yeah, the two, well, you know, but the up top, the two of us together could, you know, squeeze into a medium shirt probably. Um, <laughs> but, uh, we were, you know, we're, we're in there and we, we had literally no idea. And so we would go to like the chest press machine I remember putting like 70 pounds on and i'm like that looks like a good weight and it was like way too much for me like i was just i had no idea what i was doing and we're like well how many do you want to do and um no guidance no direction no no anything like that Mm -hmm. um and that lasted about three weeks i think um and then we were basically just like well that was cool we gave it a shot um, and so what I did after that was, uh, in my first semester of college, I actually joined the local CrossFit gym and that's kind of how I started getting into that. Um, and they offered to their credit, a beginner intro class that was mm-hmm. a couple times a week. And it was basically like, here's how to be safe. Here's how to do these motions. Like, here's why we program workouts like this. Uh, here's the terminology, right? You hear CrossFit loves their acronyms. right? Um, and so, you know, people... <laughs> it, it could be very intimidating. And so it was basically like, here's how, you know, here's how to read these things, here's how to do that. And, and it made it very approachable. Um, and so getting into that, um, it basically just put my foot in the door to that whole community. Cause it's a pretty popular gym. There's a lot of people, there was a whole spectrum. I mean, you had these mm-hmm. guys who were, you know, bursted through walls and then you had people like me who were just getting started. You had people <laughs> who were in their forties and fifties who hadn't worked out in 20 years, who were taking this course to kind of get back in it. And then they kind of just eased you into the courses. And I I think that was huge in terms of why I stuck it out was because it was very approachable. Um, and it was, it was very introductory friendly. And so I think that allowed me to, to kind of get with it. And then, you know, when you get in the habit, it becomes easier to do those things. But, but definitely, um, from that, I was just solely CrossFit, uh, for several years.
0: Gotcha. Um, yeah the the whole accountability aspect that crossfit provides and like you're saying with like getting introduced to it like if you don't know what you're doing like it's like really scary to walk into like a weight room or anything like that and not knowing how many sets do i do what exercises do i pick and to have someone kind of like guide you through is great um i think it's it's good that you know now with the internet and more gyms opening up that there are more things offered so that you know, it gives people a a wider entry level so that they can get in. Um, But at the same time, you have to seek it out. Like you had to, you had to say like, no, I got to go, I need to try, you know, CrossFit so I can actually start to learn these things. Yep. Um, So after you did CrossFit, is that when you uh, got certified in it because you had been doing it for a while?
2: Yeah. So um, a big, a big thing that I did was not being naturally strong um, I sought out, there was a couple of guys in the gym who had been doing it for a couple of years, but were also college age. Um, so I'm like 19 at this point and, and these guys are probably like 21 and I thought they were so, you know, ancient and wise, um, <laughs> but they were, uh, they were good, right? They, they were, um, they were really skilled at what they did. Uh, and I was very fortunate that I went to a gym that really prized that, right? It wasn't just about, you know, barfing and you know, what, what can we get through? But it was very much a skill oriented, um, group of people. And so I sought these people out and they were all over it. And so, um, I learned the form, I learned how to do everything correctly. And I basically made it. My goal is all these unique movements that you see in CrossFit, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you see a lot of stuff, like most strength programs, you're going to have squatting in in CrossFit as well. But like, who does, who does an Olympic snatch, who does a muscle up things like these that you don't see, um. And uh, at that point, I made it my goal that I want to at least be able to do one of everything in here, everything that this place has to offer. And so I basically just, I, I did that. And I think through that, um, they, they saw like, oh, you know, it's good form, good things like that. And um, now again, not being super strong, I had to get good at the technique to give myself mm-hmm. a leg up. Um, and so I think over about a year and a half of that, um, the owner of the gym saw that you know, Hey, you've, you've you've got decent form. You may not be the strongest guy in here, but, but you're, you know, um, smart enough. You've got the form enough. You're good with people. And so they actually sponsored my CrossFit certification.
0: Oh, that's sweet. That's that I
2: could go and, and coach with them for a couple of years. Yeah.
0: Um, so since you've, you've done CrossFit, you're a certified coach, um, and you're also a physical therapist. Yeah. What would you say are some pros of people wanting, looking to get into CrossFit? And then maybe we can talk about if there's any potential cons about people wanting to get into CrossFit.
2: Yeah. 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 So, um, I would definitely say pros are going to be what you touched on, right? We've got accountability. Um, but more than accountability, I think you've got a lot of just community, right? Um, You've got people who, they will do events. They'll do Friday night, you know, everybody gets together. They'll do Saturday, bring your friend or your partner or whatever. Um, And so I think just this level of like social, you know, um, engagement, you get a lot of that kinds of thing. Um, And then also you show up and they tell you what to do, right? So if you're Mm -hmm. not one who wants to nerd out and do your own programming, um if you don't know what you can do things like that i mean you show up and they have it written on the whiteboard and this is what we're doing today kind of thing um and so it's it's very much one of those once you get into the rhythm uh you get to show up you get to do it uh it's really high intensity so you're typically uh it's about an hour that they have blocked off for the classes and so it really fits nicely if you're like i just got to show up and get my workout in and go um it, Mm -hmm. it 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 fits really nicely um you know and and just the fitness of it it's nice right It they do they work on cardio they work on strength they work on things like that um yeah um i will say that's kind of when and i think that's the intent of crossfit that's when crossfit's done correctly right i right. think a lot of what are the cons that you see and and when it was gaining popularity i mean it's kind of like crossfit was you know put on these same areas as like, you know, CrossFit and vegans, like can't shut up about, you know, themselves. (laughs) And so it kind of got, you know, you kind of get this rap, um, talking about injuries, right. Um, you know, people are like, Oh, PT and a CrossFitter, like, you know, you must be, you're drumming up business there and stuff like that. (laughs) You know, you get all sorts of stuff like that. Um, and, and I think it's, um, if you look at it, it's, a lot of it is when the priorities of fitness kind of get out of place. And when the competitive side of CrossFit gets put above the safety side and the skill side and the technique side. Um, and that's what you see, you know, the, the way that the CrossFit gyms are is that, you know, each gym is its own affiliation. And so there's kind of this governing headquarters, but each gym has its own culture and its own etiquette and its own, whatever they do their own programming. And so, you got to find the spot that's going to work for you. Cause if you go into a place that all they say is just go more, go harder, go faster. Um, and you're not ready for that, then you maybe set yourself up for injury. Mm Um, and if you don't know what you're doing, then you don't know. Right. And so, um, I think it's kind of one of those things that it can be taken out of control and people can get themselves hurt doing things. Um,
0: that that, that makes sense. Um, how would a, a, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but how would a person know, like if they were going to look into a gym, like if it's going to be more on that competitive side of things yeah. or if it's going to be more of like, Hey, there's other people that look like hey, me. Beginner
1: friendly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 Um, so typically like they're all going to have their own website. <clears throat> so you can get a little bit of a vibe on that. Um, I always tell people like if you're really want it to be intro friendly and you want it to be beginner friendly, if you find a CrossFit gym that doesn't have a beginner class, like
1: don't do it. It's not for you. It's
2: <laughs> not for you. Um yeah. but then too, a lot of what these places have is they have like try it out fees or drop in fees or things like that where you can come in and you can pay for a class um one at a time. And so stuff like that. So um you know if if that's something that you're interested in, I always tell people, you know, just go check it out. Go look um they they've got, you know, whatever packages deals that you can that you can do to to try it out rather than, you know, going based on stuff. Um, which that is, you know, I forgot to say another con is CrossFit tends to be pretty pricey. Um, and Mm -hmm. so that, that could be a big barrier, um, to a lot of people trying to get into it, but yeah, you can, you can search them out. You can go, you can try, you can, you know, kind of take one at a time and, and, and just feel the vibe out for yourself.
1: Now, that, that makes sense, and I guess that is one of the things I've heard with CrossFit. It's the community aspect. It's why people keep coming back. That's why it's grown so much, but like anything else, you do have to check each individual gym. Maybe it doesn't fit with you. Maybe they're not so focused on teaching beginners, but more so competitive CrossFitters yeah. who are yeah. maybe trying to go to the games on so that. That may not be your gym, so it's very interesting.
0: How would you get into – so? You're, you're big into the ultras now. I mean, yeah. I know you, uh, I know you had done a bunch of running, uh, looks like then you switched and kind of transitioned to CrossFit and more like strength type stuff. Um, and how'd you get into ultras?
2: Yeah. So my, <clears throat> oh, maybe we should say, my,
0: maybe you should tell everybody what is an ultra an so ultra. Yeah.
2: It's very exclusive. If you don't know, then, you know, we're not going to, you. you're not, in. uh, <laughs> um, so an ultra is, um, shortened for ultra marathon. And essentially what it is, is it's a marathon plus. So there's no one distance that is an ultra, uh, an ultra marathon. It's um, basically anything that is more than your 26.2 miles, which which is a marathon. Um, So the type of ultras that I do are 50K, which is going to be about 31 miles. Uh, And what you find is that most ultras are actually trail runs. Um, So Mm -hmm. once you get past that marathon distance, you're going to get more and more into the trail running. And that can look like, you know, dirt gravel roads that can look like really technical rocky stuff that you feel like you're going to, you know, trip and slip and all that stuff. So uh, it can it can be lots of elevation up and down mountains where you're, um, you know, so it, it is very a wide variety. But anybody who says mm-hmm. that they do ultras, uh, your popular distances are going to be your 50K, 100K. So that's going to be 62 miles. Your 50 milers, age your 100 milers. So those are like the big four distances of ultra marathons. Um, yeah, they're typically way slower in pace than your normal marathon because you're not on flat road. And so not only are your distances longer, but typically your paces are slower because you're over roots and rocks and things like that. Um, you're typically going to get a lot more elevation with that. So um, it's it's kind of just a whole different beast. I I like to compare it mountain biking versus like road biking. Um you mm. know, there's there's kind of a whole different aspect to it. Um but yeah. So that is kind of what I'm into um in terms of consistently. Um I've got a couple got a couple of those. I've got a couple on the books for the future. What?
1: Leadville 100?
2: Death Valley? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um twice, twice around. Um <laughs> No, but that is, that's a great, that's a great example of a very popular ultra, right? Leadville 100. Um, They're basically right outside of big, you know, peaks in Colorado and they're, they're just humming over it. And, um, they might be doing 18, 20 minute miles at some point, uh, but then Mm. they turn around and they come down and then, then, then they're bombing down. Uh, Mm. So it's, yeah, it's a whole, whole thing.
0: How does, how does someone even begin to get into that
2: <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> how do you even train for them yeah, yeah how do you yeah, train yeah. for that right
2: okay yeah so uh it's like with anything right um beginner friendly stuff um i always tell people the first time you do a distance you do the distance right you don't race the distance you don't whatever the distance um and so you know there's there's depending on who you are if, if it's something that you're into right uh if you want to learn to be an ultra marathoner you start with something that's not an ultra marathon um running is awesome in that you can find all levels of competition all levels of things right anywhere from a mile run to a 5k run to you know half marathons 10ks um, all that stuff and you can find that same thing with trail running right so um, what I tell people is is you know find something like if you want to be or if you're interested in being ultra marathoning um, you get first got to decide if you like running right because you don't <laughs> like running you're not gonna like running for 30 miles um, so it's one of those things that it's it's about taking it to you know that next level so for people who are more casual and this is typically where you find this question is hey i've done a yeah. half marathon um you know I, I like to do four to five miles on the weekend stuff like that but like how do i bridge that gap from there mm-hmm. to um to an ultra marathon which is a completely different question from i've never run a day in my life how do i run an ultra marathon like two two very different questions um <clears throat> <clears throat> but when i tell people you know it, it's mostly about um i mean anything fitness right it's great at exposure it's one, getting yourself used to more distances, more time, those kinds of things, Um, but also different terrains. So um, I'm a big fan of if we're going to bump things up, we go one variable at a time, right? So if you're not used to trail running, and that's very intimidating, go on short trail runs, get yourself used to that, get yourself, you know, feel for that. Um, The ultra community is also not snobbish in the idea that there's a lot of people who actually hike up hills right or yeah. something that's really technical uh as in rocky rudy going down like take your time with that be safe with that um you'll see a lot mm-hmm. of these big things and there's you know in the really steep races even the winners are hiking up the hills right they're not they're not bounding up these mountains or anything like that now they're bombing down them for sure um and so you know being
1: yeah. You know,
2: allowing yourself to be comfortable and kind of working at your own pace. But that's what I tell people is, is start with some shorter trail runs. And if you love that, then you can start to build that distance, build that thing. Um, but it's really, I mean, the only barrier to entry beyond normal running is they make shoes specifically for trail running, right? Um, all your running brands, your Nikes, your Hoka's, your, uh, you know, sock your whatever's ultras they, they all do trail shoes and it's basically A running shoe with rubber tips on the bottom of them so that you can grip the dirt a little better um outside of that that's like your only barrier from normal running to trail running or ultra running Um,
0: yeah yeah. i think sometimes too like what you're saying with like you, you you uh you said graded exposure and you maybe for those listening not they don't know what that is. It's basically slowly exposing your body to more and more stress. Like if you haven't worked out in a while, you won't be able to go deadlift 500 pounds. So why do you think you'll be able to go run 30 miles? Like yeah. with running too, like you have to be able to take it slow and let your body adjust and adapt to that constant, you know, single leg pounding on the pavement or the, or the train that you're on, or else it could result uh, in potential injury. Yeah. How would, uh, how would you tell, um, like our listeners, how would they prevent injuries if they're wanting to get into ultra marathoning?
2: Yeah. Um, so a couple things, you know, to, to be aware of, um, you know, there's kind of two kinds of running injuries, right? There's traumatic and non-traumatic, right? So we've got our, this quick thing happened, I rolled my ankle and then we've got more of our overuse type of stuff. Um, and so to speak on the more, I'll say the easier answer with, with some of the trauma stuff is you can't really avoid all that. Right. Mm. Um. So being being afraid of that, but you know what I tell people is, you know, be smart in what you're doing and what you're comfortable with. Right. If you're not comfortable bombing down a section and you think you're gonna roll your ankle, you know, start slow, work your way into those things. Um, but at some point, there's a the amount of random variability that you're not gonna be able to prevent all of those things. Um, the overuse stuff. Um, and this is it's a quote that I did not make up, but I love it's it's a lot of times you see it's it's doing too much at once after not having done enough for too long. Um where you're you're it's it's just too much too much of one thing that you're not prepared for and and I think something to be aware of is you know doing these kind of ultra distances is going to work your body a little bit differently than anything else, right? And the best way to get good at something is to do that thing or as close to that thing as possible. So What I find in the trail aspect of things, your ankles are going to work a lot harder. Um, Your hips are going to work a lot harder. So as opposed to road running, it's kind of, you're kind of, it's more in one direction, right? Your, your hamstrings are going to be working. Your, your, um, you know, your calves are going to be working. Whereas trail running, it's a lot more, there's a lot more like lateral side to side stability stuff that you got to work on. So the sides Mm -hmm. of your hips, Mm -hmm. the sides of your legs are going to be a lot, working a lot harder Because those muscles aren't used to this unsteady terrain, these uneven things. Um, And so you got to keep that in mind. So if you're, you know, if you're a master half marathon runner and you then are going on to run these trail distances, you got to keep in mind that while your hamstrings, your cardio might be up to this, you may be exposing your different muscles to stimulus that they're not quite ready for. And so it's kind of like treating it as a different sport, I think puts it into a different perspective where people are like, Oh, I love road running. I do awesome. And then it's like, as soon as I get on the trail, everything falls apart. And I'm like, well, it's because it's two different things. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and, and knowing that, um, and treating them differently. I think a lot of people, you know, they can get discouraged with that times again are typically very different. Right. So somebody who's running a six, seven minute mile, Um, which is, which is good, you know, uh, when they're out running on the roads, may see themselves running an eight, nine minute mile on the trail or slower, um, just because Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a whole different ballgame. So, so you, whenever you're introducing yourself to something, even if it's like something you've done before, giving yourself that grace and kind of allowing that graded exposure, like this is a whole new thing. And so that's, that's what I tell people is don't get on the trails and expect to perform like you would on the road. Um, you gotta give yourself that time to adapt. Mm -hmm.
1: So, <laughs> so, so it's okay. So that, that's a good uh, perspective. There are two different sports. You got to think about it that way. You've kind of talked about beginners need to increase their time on their feet, yep. whether that's on the road on the trail. And you've talked about some um, taking it slow and trying to figure out how to navigate the trail to you the road. What else do you do? And you mentioned I think we talked about before the video is cross training. What kind of lifting yep. would you? Prescribe to a potential road runner versus a trail runner
2: um yes yeah great succinct summary um <laughs> i uh for for cross training what i typically um tell people is strength training is it's building your muscles it's building your tendons right so whenever we're lifting weights we're putting load through our tendons which is going to make them thicker tougher more resistant um, to our overuse, our itises, uh, of sorts. So, um, what I'm telling people is, you know, uh, I love to squat. I think squatting, right. Heavy squats, um, whatever that is for you, right. Because heavy is relative to the person. Mm Um, but, heavy squats doing these things that put these loads through your body, right? So we're working our hips, uh, we're working our knees, which you see a lot of stuff like runners, knees, those kinds of things, right? Squat puts a ton of load through um, our patellar tendon, which is as our quad attaches to our knee. It's gonna really increase the robustness of that tendon, uh, which is gonna make it more resistant to these overuse type of things. Um, For runners too, uh, jumping, right? We're talking Mm -hmm. box jumps, we're talking jump rope. So plyometrics, um, which is essentially your bouncy stuff. So Mm -hmm. anything running is a plyometric, right? So, uh, simply put anything that you are kind of doing these quick rebounding types of things. Um, those are really gonna again, put kind of that load, that, that, that pulling tensile load through your tendons, which is gonna just make them tougher, stronger more resistant to injury. So squatting and jumping would, would be my two big cross training things for runners.
1: Two big ones. Cause I know with the, the running community, uh, cross training, it's getting some more popularity, but it's not yes. always been there. So what would you say for someone who's maybe a little bit newer, because a lot of listeners are starting their, their fitness journey. What would that split look like between running and, and lifting?
2: Yeah. Um, and i like that you you know you kind of mentioned i think a lot of runners are worried that if they do a lot of lifting they're just going to bulk up they're going to get bigger they're gonna get heavier and <laughs> they're not going to be i know right yeah um but if you do pure strength training in this way um they you know they've shown that you really you're not going to put on you know massive amounts of muscle especially if you're primarily running um strength training and, and muscle size training you know two different things um so that's kind of one thing that I tell people is, is you can get stronger without putting on a ton of weight. And I think a lot of runners are, are resistant. They don't want to bulk up and be too heavy for their running or whatever. Sure. Um, but in terms of splits, um, you know, it's going to be, what are your, what are your priorities? And that needs to be seen in how you're training, right? So if your priority is running, like you need to be running mostly um, and then lifting and, you know, depending on your time, depending on your, you know, availability, whatever your resources might be. Um, but you can strength train an area once a week and still get benefits from that. Um, again, you're not necessarily training to hit the absolute highest number of whatever lift you might be doing, but it's accessory to, to your running. And so, um, if you've only got one day to, mix in that strength training, that's still one day a week is still going to be enough to allow some muscle adaptations to allow some tendon adaptations. Um, I always tell people consistency is the most important thing, right? So yeah. allowing yeah. that strength training consistency, more important than exactly how much you're lifting or, um, you know, which lifts you're doing, things like that. Um, and, and so. You know if a, a beginner friendly thing, I think uh, running three days a week in some capacity, now those runs are gonna look varied. you know, they're not going to be the exact same run. And then doing lifting mm-hmm. once a week, I think that is a very beginner friendly um, beginner friendly way to do that. Because um, if you're not used to doing these things, four days a week is a ton uh, uh, to, to be working out. And so that's to me a really good starter way to do that.
0: Jace, what I really liked what you said, um, there is that, you know, one thing that heavy is heavy. It doesn't matter, uh, if it's 50 pounds or if it's 500 pounds and that you really can't go wrong, getting strong. And even that one day a week is, um, it's going to be enough, uh, especially if your goal is running, you're not trying to be a power lifter. So yeah. yeah, it's not enough if you wanted to be a power lifter, but it is enough if you wanted to prevent injury while you run. So I think sometimes in maybe people's mind, it's like, Oh, I have to be as strong as I can pot. I've got a, I got a deadlift 600 pound pounds and run a six minute mile. It's like, those are freak of natures that they've been doing that for like 15 years to get to that point. You're not going to be that you don't need to be a power lifter and an ultra marathoner, but you can get at least one day of strength training in and continue to run and and build that resistance uh, or that, um, yeah, the resilience and making your Mm -hmm. muscles, tendons, ligaments all stronger with that.
2: No, ab- absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing, right? It's, you're not, you're not strength training to be better performing strength trainer. You're, you're, it's supplementing, right? It's it's mm-hmm. supplement to your tendons. It's not the stimulus of getting that load through your tendons, things like that. Um,
0: yeah. All right, Jace, I got a question for you. Okay. What do you think, uh, and I guess this could apply to trail or uh, on the road, but what do you think of heart rate training? Um, I know that's gotten more popular mm-hmm. in the past <clears throat> couple years what do you think about that
2: yeah so uh heart rate training is it's all about looking at what your body's perceived intensity is um you know we hear about things like scales of rate of perceived exertion types of things Mm -hmm. uh and and what they found is heart rate highly correlates with basically how hard your body's working right so the higher your heart rate the harder your body is working um and those things might not correlate with how fast you're going, um, with, um, you know, your paces and things like that. So I think uh, the big thing is, it's kind of a check-in, um, to see like, what, what is your body doing? Right. Cause if you don't sleep well, uh, if you are stressed out from other things, right. Cause we all have stuff going mm-hmm. on in our lives, right. Stress is stress to the system. And so if you've already been stressed or or haven't recovered from before, the one pace on a certain day versus a, that same pace on another day might have a little bit different heart rates. And so the idea is kind of listening to your body. It's like intuitive training, like going based on what your body's intensity is. Um, I think that's a perfectly wonderful way to, to train. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think you have to. Um, But it's a really good way to check in to see like how hard is my body working how is it responding to this exercise um and of course all that stuff's going to change right variable terrains and then all the other things i talked about that you're bringing to the table with you um -hmm. so i i do i like that as a way um as a way to do it especially if you're doing something for the first time um because you know the the goal is as you're building up to something again it's just to do it right and so you want to train your body where it's comfortable, where you're, where you're, um, you're teaching your body how to do this new thing that it hasn't done before. And so using heart rate to be very intuitive with how you're, how you're feeling, how you're responding, I think is a is a really good healthy way to do it.
0: Yeah, I know when I was uh, training for um, and ran a marathon, I would have days where like, I don't know, whatever that day was, like yeah. five miler, that like it would feel, I would just be flying, like floating yeah. down the road. And then, you know, the next week it's another, you know, maybe it's programmed six miles or whatever. And I'm like, that was the most brutal run that I've had. Yeah. Um, so I think what you're saying play is, is right into that. Like, how'd you sleep last night? Are you stressed? Are you running your easy runs too hard and your hard runs too easy? Yeah. And, uh, sometimes maybe the, the heart rate, um, like watching that can give Uh, the runner may be a little bit better idea of where they're at that day and Mm -hmm. can kind of stay within, you know, that, I think, what is it? Like they want 70, 80% of your max heart rate or maybe even lower on some of the like majority of your runs.
2: Um, yeah, you're, you're typically going to find it in the mid one hundreds. Um, you've got your heart rate zones. I don't have them memorized off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, five zones, right. Yeah. Uh, five. five zones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the idea that you're kind of staying in that middle zone. It's something that you can sustain because um, your heart rate and your oxygen, uh, the amount that you're getting to your body, like oxygen saturation and respiratory rate, they all really highly correlate. So, you know, VO2 max is something that people like to to talk about. And that's basically the level of how well your body is getting oxygen to your blood, to your, to your organs, things like that. Um, And uh, we found that heart rate is kind of the simplest thing that you can look at that correlates with all those more complex types of things. Um, And it kind of takes the mystery out of it, right? Like if you're working out and you're like, oh, am I just, you know, there's this idea is like, oh, am I just, you know, tired? Am I just not paying attention? Am I just distracted? Mm. But if you have this like hard data to look at your heart rate and say, oh no, my body is working hard. just like i just have other things and i think having that number of heart rate kind of takes the mystery out of um kind of the the being intuitive with your body and how you're feeling and things like that
0: would people need like a heart uh chest chest strap or or would a garmin work just fine or whatever watch
2: totally depends on the garment um and the most accurate is going to be the chest strap um and you know you can you can buy it's like anything, right? You could spend, you know, a little bit of money, you can spend way too much money. Um, most of the watches that are coming out these days are, um, they do have a heart rate monitor on them. And so, um, all the Apple watches that are coming out, all the Garmin watches, Coros is a new brand of watch. That's kind of, they've got a couple different models out, but they, they're kind of a Garmin competitor. All their stuff has heart rate monitors on them. Um, So if you've got a watch that has that on there, um, unless it's telling you something crazy, I always tell people like, you can trust that, Like Maybe it's, you know, two or three beats a minute off, but like that is not gonna make or break your thing. Now, if you're running and it says that your heart is beating 30 beats a minute, um, obviously there's some sort of disconnect, right? So like look for those weird things. Um, But in general, if you've got a watch that has that heart rate monitor on them, like they're gonna do and they usually give you real time right there. So as you're running, you look down at your pace, you see what your heart rate is, and it's that quick instant feedback um, that you're looking for.
1: I found it too that it can kind of help a runner not to go out too hard. Because I think yeah. sometimes the looking at the time, but when you're focusing on the heart, it kind of controls a little bit. Like, okay, I'm pushing myself too much right now. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm going to burn out. <laughs>
0: Or when, yep. start, or, or when you start, or when you start any race, I feel like everyone's a little jacked up. heart going Yeah. And yeah, yeah, you just, you you're just ready to go
2: that race juice that's running through your veins. Yeah. You'll look down at your watch and you're like, holy crap, that was two minutes faster Pump the brakes, man. And you're like, what's going on here? Um, no, that's, that's real. Um, something about that, but yeah, it does. Right? It keeps you in check. That's, that's a great way to do it is it kind of, it makes you a little more scientific and, and kind of allows you to be more consistent.
0: All right. So there's running and then there's things called triathlons, which are a little bit bigger of a beast here. Um, so you've, you've done some of those as well. Um, now I think I'd asked you earlier if you've done an Ironman or Mm -hmm. not, and you were kind of trying to explain that to us, do you mind telling us like what's a triathlon, what's an Ironman, you know, explain that to everybody.
2: Okay. Yeah. So to start with like what's consistent across the board. So a triathlon, Mm -hmm. what you're going to see is you're going to see a swim and then a bike and then a run that is a triathlon that's consistent across the board. Now the ratios of what you're doing is going to be very different. um, And to touch on. So when people, I think a lot of people hear triathlon, they also hear Ironman. And those are two, two different things. Ironman is it's a company, it's a brand they put on races and they do a really good job at it. Um, But they are a trademarked brand. Uh, and they specialize in two different races. They have the Ironman, and then they have the Half Ironman, um, or the mm. seventy point three. So those are kind of, those are owned by Ironman. You 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 pay Ironman Incorporated, whatever it is, um, to to participate in their races. Um, and like I said, they're um, they're pricey, but they're they're organized, they they, they take care of everything for you and that type of stuff. So you're getting a lot of that flair and you're getting a lot of this kind of, um, they, they, they foster this competitive environment when you do that. Um, however, to do a triathlon does not necessarily mean that you're doing an Ironman. So the two popular distances outside of your half and your full Ironman is going to be an Olympic distance. And essentially what that's going to be is more or less half of a half Ironman. And then you have your sprint distances, which is gonna be about half of an Olympic. So to break that down, um, we have a local sprint and Olympic that gets put on by a different company. Um, And the sprint is gonna be about a quarter mile swim. So it's gonna be about 400 yards. Mm -hmm. The bike is a 12 mile bike, and the run is a 5K run. And It's excellent. There's a lot of those out there. And so to find those races, really, all you have to do is Google sprint distance triathlon and you can find those there in cities all over the place. Um, And you can find those. And then Olympic is is basically going to be very basically double that. So you're going to have about a half, maybe a little bit more. Uh, on the mile swim, you're going to have about a 25 mile bike, and then you're going to have a 10k to finish it off with. On those shorter distances, there is variability. So you may have one that's a little bit more swim dominant, you may have one that the bike is a little bit, and that's usually just based on geography, right? Um, Because our roads weren't designed, you know, 50 years ago with Olympic triathlons in mind. So you know you kind of work with what you got um so you may see some variability there um when it comes to those sprint or those olympics but they always tell you you know you, you go on their websites and stuff and um it can be anything as casual from like just your local triathlon group putting it on and then there are companies that are similar to iron man that that specialize in in building that race feel where they've got these Big transition setups. So They've got these big blow up arches that you run through and get your picture when you're taken. And so it can, you know, it, it all just depends on what you sign up for. Um,
0: so you said um, earlier with like running, like basically all you need are a pair of shoes. Like if you're going to yeah. trail run, you a pair of trail running shoes, and then you're you're good to go. What would somebody need in order to start either training or um, you know compete in an, uh, a triathlon race?
2: Yeah, well, it depends on how gutsy you are, really. Um, I have seen somebody perform a triathlon on a rented city bike um, and wearing (laughs) jean shorts, like you can, uh, you can really cheese these things if you want to. Um, and again, I think that's a big, that's a big thing that big barrier cost of entry. Um, Mm. so, um, what you need is really, um, let's, let's talk bare minimum. You need a bike uh, and you need a pair of running shoes. So, um, no goggles. I would, I would certainly prefer that you wear goggles. If, if I was talking to you, the, the 20 bucks is worth it. Uh, but yeah, you could backstroke the whole thing if you wanted to. Um, they'll give you a swim cap. So, you know, um, but yeah, realistically, we'll, we'll do goggles, a bike and, um, and, uh, your uh, running shoes. So for these, um, for the shorter ones, especially like you don't need the big wetsuit, swimsuit, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. you don't even necessarily need, um, uh, a suit with like the, the cycling butt pads, right? Um, they're awesome to they make your butt look good, but, uh, when you're on those shorter distances, uh, you don't necessarily need those. Like you could do it in running shorts or I got a pair of shorts. That's, they, they look kind of like those, they're like down to the knee length swim, shorts mm-hmm. or whatever. And they don't have a butt pad or anything like that, but I've worn those for uh sprint triathlon. Um, cause realistically you're only going to be on the bike for 30, 45 minutes. Um, so you don't need all those crazy gears, um, all the crazy gear for this. Um, you don't need the shoes that clip into the bikes. You can do them on what they call flats, which is just like your classic thing and your tennis shoes and your running shoes. People do that. Um, I think what people, a lot of times they see is, is they see like the most expensive, right? There's people who have $10,000 like triathlon setups, uh, Goodness. and, and they have bought 1% efficiency. Um, and so
0: but um, they like, look good.
2: yeah, but they look good, right? Like their helmet, it looks like the alien thing as it comes back <laughs> behind them, you know, um, if that's your thing, if you have the money, that's awesome. But like, you don't need that stuff. Um, and honestly, there's nothing more satisfying than passing somebody who's got that gear on. And, you know, you don't say anything, but they know. On your
0: rented city bike. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, on my rented city bike. What's your yorks? Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, you'll, you'll see it, um, especially these entry-level triathlons. You'll see people on, like, a Walmart bike, which there's absolutely nothing wrong with, right? They're they're out, um, you know, just on their their, their regular kind of roadie bike, commuter bike, stuff like that, Um yeah, it's the whole there's the whole spectrum.
1: So, guess okay, let's talk training for an yeah. Ironman slash mm-hmm. triathlon. Yes, you, you know your run, bike, swim. Yep. How do you, how do you break that up throughout your your blocks? Your, I don't know how you split it. Do you, you know, one day you're running, another day you're swimming, mm-hmm. or you know, how, how does that work?
2: Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of good resources. You can find a lot of these things online. Um, especially like if your goal is just to do it, I mean, you can, you can Google like spread triathlon training program, whatever, but the, the kind of meat and potatoes, right. You got to make sure that you're doing those three things. Yeah. Um, in terms of priority, what I'm going to do is, uh, I'm going to bike, run, then swim. Those are my kind of the, my, my priorities. Um, and the reason I do that is because that is how In terms of time in those events, you're typically going to spend most of your time doing the bike. Mm. Um, You're going to spend the second most time doing the run. um, And then swimming is typically where you spend the least amount of time in. Um, So if you're crazy, crazy fit on the swim and you're doing these shorter triathlons, like you may have bought yourself 30 seconds versus if you're moderately fit in the swim. Whereas if you take that extra day and you take that into running or biking, then you may have gained yourself a couple of minutes. And so it's all about prioritizing. So you don't need to be a master swimmer, especially on these shorter distances. Um, I just tell people be able to swim that distance without taking a break in the pool and like, you'll be okay. Um, So then from there, it's basically, I I like to, I do bike. I'm a better runner anyways, just because that's my natural background. So I spend more time on the bike because that's where my weakness is and that's where I spend most of my time in the race. Um, but you could, you know, you could argue that the kind of the bike and the run are equally important. Um, in terms of fitness wise. So, yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: so there's, you know, bike, run, swim. Yep. Do you program any, um, weight training into that or is those three enough?
2: No, I will do. So, you know, triathlons are tricky as opposed to running, which is you can just do running then weights. Uh, Mm -hmm. If I'm going to do this, I will typically spend one day in the week um, doing kind of my cross training. So I like the powerlifting style type of stuff. So that's going to be, you know, your back squats, your deadlifts and your bench presses. Um, And then maybe, um, you know, maybe hop on some of the machines like the quad machine, hamstring machine, just to get, again, just some resistance. There's nothing wrong with those, you know. Work on the machine, but just more to get the resistance through the tendons and the muscles and things like that, just to kind of keep that stimulus up. But I'll typically spend about one day, um, two days if I just have the free time. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, a good way to do it is, you know, maybe have one bike day, one run day, and then one bike run day um, where you get your legs used to hopping off the bike and doing a run. Um, And again, it's not about speed it's just about getting your body used to that that stimulus because running after you've just you know sprinted out on the bike is way different like you look like a baby deer it's pretty funny actually um but you do you kind of you got this like little trot hobble thing that you do because you got to find out where your quads are um so getting your body used to that uh i did not my first triathlon do that i didn't train for that at all i remember getting off the bike and i was like this is going to be awesome and i almost fell over Um, and this was after a 12 mile bike, like this was not an Ironman, um, but, you know, getting your body used to that. So if you wanted to give yourself, you know, that's, that's a big one. Um, that's five, you know, it's a five day split there. You've got to, you got swim, bike, run, bike, run, and weights. Um, but I would say, again, it's kind of what we talked about in terms of the strength training, like it doesn't need to be. Your strength day doesn't need to be two hours in the gym, hitting everything, hitting these high percentages of your strength or whatever. It's just about getting that stimulus in, getting that consistency in. Um, Some people will do like they'll do swim day and they'll do just like a light swim and then go do some weights after or something like that so that they can just kind of combine it so that they're not in the gym or training five days a week. But, you know, it's it's one of those things you're going to get in what you do put out of it. Are you going to? What you put into it. something
1: yeah. that we haven't touched on that just occurred to me how are you fueling your body like what are you what are you eating what are you doing pre-race during the race and then maybe post-race
2: yeah um so find what works for you is what i tell people and don't surprise your body um so you know uh i always tell people when it comes to nutrition try things out find what works for your stomach, you'll see a lot of people who get stomach issues when they're, you know, there's gels, there's goose, there's all sorts of stuff that's marketed. Um, there's drink mixes that have, you know, calories and caffeine and things like that. So um, for something that's going to be short like this, what I'm going to do is I may have one little gel nutrition that I'm going to eat on the bike. Uh, mm-hmm. And then on my bike, I have two water bottle holders. One of them is filled with water. One of them is filled with a drink mix. That has um, BCAAs, branch chain amino acids. Those are kind of your 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 protein yeah. breakdowns. Uh, it's got caffeine, and um, that's 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 most of it. Got a little bit of sugar just to kind of get you that fast energy. Um, and so it's it's more about just giving yourself a little bit of a boost. Um, you shouldn't be you know full when you're doing these sprint <laughs> stuff because it's fast, right? It'd be like yeah, yeah. you know you don't want to eat a meal when you're running a five k sprint um the you know so you kind of find out what works for you so i always if i'm trying something new i'll just take it on my training runs and or training rides and i'll just kind of see um see what works best for me um but in terms of of fueling up kind of leading up into these things i mean the biggest thing is you got to make sure through your training that you're eating enough right because that's going to be your biggest biggest thing right Um, You're working your body hard. We got to make sure that you're getting your proteins to supplement. Right. Um, And then, you know, healthy fats. I eat a lot of almond butter, that kind of stuff, just to get me those things. um, You know, Uh, and then I'm going to eat, you know, some carbs, but, you know, I try to stay away from the sugars and things like that when I'm training because sugar is an inflammatory. So if you're putting your body, into an area where it's being stressed. You know, you got these, you're, you're, you're working your tendons, you're working your muscles. You wanna make sure that you're eating somewhat clean um, and, and you know, not doing pro-inflammatories. But I'm not one that's like, I don't calorie count. I don't macro count. I don't do anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. Generally, I, I try to just eat good food. I eat when I'm hungry. Um, I make sure that I get enough, you know, of my protein, my healthy fats, and then I supplement the rest with carbs, so. Um, and you would say complex
1: I, carbs, not um, heavily processed carbs yeah, for those yeah, who are yeah. listening.
2: Um, yeah. Um, you know, pasta sometimes is going to be good. You know, breads are good, things like that. Um, you know, it shouldn't shouldn't be one of those things where you can't touch these things ever. But yeah, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're good carbs. So we're talking uh, fruit and veggies. We're talking, you know, um, those kind of things that actually have nutritional um, balance. You know, I'll, I'll do rice and stuff like that just, again... Um, I want to make sure that I'm getting enough calories. So I'm not starving my body, um, and so yeah, you know, I like to. I'll I'll eat a little bit more, or or I'll I'll put another spoonful of ice on, or something like that, just to make sure that you know I'm I'm replenishing what my body's doing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um,
0: I like what you said about uh, don't surprise your body. Yeah. So the night before <laughs> I ran a half marathon, I I ate spicy spaghetti to carb load. Oh, I love it. And about had a blowout yeah. at mile yeah. seven. It was. <laughs> It, I surprised myself. <laughs>
2: um, yeah. So, um, this is maybe a, 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 don't do as I do, but do as I say kind of thing. But my pre-race meal is always uh, pizza and one beer, uh, before every race that I do. And I love it. Um, and you can't, you can't convince me to stop doing that. Um, but, uh, for whatever reason, my body loves that. I never have stomach issues. I never have anything like that. Um, whatever that is you know and and again when it comes to that kind of thing um you find out what your body likes what it doesn't like um when I'm doing ultra marathon stuff I'm eating actually solid food I, I do maybe a little bit of gels um but um uh, I'm eating my two big ones are beef jerky and goldfish So that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you got that, your man. fats
2: you got your proteins got a little bit of salty carbs it's very insufficient uh, you know yeah yeah yep yeah. yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. It's the fish oil goldfish is Mm -hmm. only, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, no, yeah. So find what your body likes. Um, I think is the biggest thing. Try things out. Um, that type of stuff, drink mixes, you know, um, do a ride with one drink mix, see how you fare, do a ride with another one, see how you fare, try them out. Typically these things, you can get sample sizes that you can order and stuff before you buy the big tubs of them. Um, but yeah, that kind of stuff. Um, and then after the race, you eat whatever you want, because you did a good job and you, you earned it.
0: <laughs> well, Jace, we've covered a lot in this episode, and I think you've given really good insights into, uh, all these different aspects that we talked about and tips and all that kind of stuff. Is there anything else that you want to, uh, let the listeners know that we haven't discussed yet?
2: <clears throat> you know, um, I think a big thing is if I had to say anything in terms of like, my passion is i would you know don't let the official intimidating looking stuff don't let the pros of things scare you into getting into something because Mm. i promise in all of these things there is a whole spectrum um there are people who go out to marathons and they start and their intention is to walk the whole thing and i think that's awesome Um, and, and so when it comes to these things, it gets really easy to get intimidated. If, you know, um, that's not enough, then bring a friend, you know, make it something that is enjoyable, that you're doing it for yourself, for your health, right? Um, it's not, it's not worth, um, beating your head against the wall or hurting yourself or making yourself miserable. There's so many options to get out and to do things, um, and you don't know if you're going to like it unless you try it. Um, and so that's kind of my thing is just, you know, don't be afraid to dip your toe in the water for, for stuff like that.
0: No, that's that's such good advice. Yeah. Yeah, and I like uh, it's I think the running community, uh, just the whole triathlon running community, they're always so uplifting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even like if you go to the gym, like usually people are more than willing to help other people out. It's yeah. usually the people that are not doing those things are the ones who are going to, you know, throw the most it's shade yeah. and uh not the people who are actually in the arena doing the work yeah. Yeah. and uh, yeah with all the training and stuff like it's fun and you're reaping the health benefits you know okay. you're working your muscles heart lungs and you're having you know a good time especially if you're competitive so um jace thanks so much for being on man of um Anibal, you got anything
1: no that's all i have thank you jace and i've like always tell you guys remember you're human we should not seek perfection but daily improvement see you guys